Well, welcome to Easter at the River. We are so glad that you are here today. We are so glad that you've decided to worship with us for Easter. And I have to tell you, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. I've been excited to have the ability to do an Easter service with people's faces in front of me. Uh, that, that's been very exciting. Uh, last year, obviously, we had to do things a little bit different, but I am excited that you're here smiling back at me. Even if you're online, we're excited that you're smiling with us, being a part. Uh, trust me, these guys being here makes your experience so much better. And so we are excited that we're all here celebrating the resurrection. And if you are online and you're just joining us, just getting connected, I uh, want to encourage you to go ahead and fill out your digital connect card and let that uh, uh, be something that, so you can, we can know that you're here worshiping with us and we can make sure you get connected to all that's happening here at River of Life. Well, uh, as we prepare to talk about our message this morning, uh, one of the things that I want to acknowledge is that as we talk about the resurrection, as we are here celebrating that, there are people who don't believe that this happened. There's people who don't believe that Jesus actually came out of the tomb. And if you're here in the, this room and that's what you believe, or you're watching online and that's what you believe, first of all, let me say welcome. We are so glad that you're here. We're so glad that you are a part of what God is doing at our church and that you're willing to at least explore what God is saying here. Also, I want to let you know that if you don't believe in the resurrection, if you don't believe that Jesus actually came out of the tomb, you're in good company. Do you know who else did not believe that Jesus came out of the tomb? Every one of his followers. Every one of the disciples disbelieved in the resurrection. For three years, they hung around with Jesus as he told them repeatedly, I'm going to Jerusalem to die. I'm going to Jerusalem to take up my cross. I'm going to Jerusalem and I am going to be crucified. But three days later, I'm going to rise. And three days later, none of them believed it. They watched him die. They watched him be crucified. They watched the man that they loved, that they believed was the Messiah. The, they believed he was going to be the one that was going to break the yoke of Rome off of the Israelites. They believed he was the one that was going to restore the kingdom of David. And then they watched as in the middle of the night in a garden, a group of soldiers led by one of their friends grabbed him and took him how he was beaten and mocked and ridiculed and placed on a cross. They were aware of how the soldier pierced his side, proving that he was dead. And on Easter Sunday, not one of them were expecting him to come out of the grave. You know how I know that? Because nobody was waiting. Don't you think if they had been listening to him and they had believed him and they thought that resurrection was going to happen, there would have been a crowd? Like they would have been out there with flags and banners, you know, and a worship team just ready in this big countdown. And, you know, they're just in there, you know, watching the sun come up and going, three, 
two, one. <laughs> exactly. You know, they, they, they would have been doing that. But they weren't. They were hiding. They were scared. They were convinced this Jesus thing was over. And all of them disbelieved. Even when reports started coming in, they disbelieved. But yet, we have this story. And so today, I want to talk about, we are, we are ending today our 21 days of hope. And I want to talk about today the idea of living hope. The idea that we have been called to a living hope. To a hope that is alive. And we know it's alive because of what these men and women saw, what they experienced, and what they reported back to us. And so we're going to read a passage written by a man named Mark. And if you've been following along in this series, I'm pretty sure I've already told you Mark was someone who was, who was close to Jesus. He wasn't one of the apostles, but he was someone who knew him. Matter of fact, most historians believe that Mark was the one who hosted Jesus for the Last Supper. It was his family that had Jesus in the upper room having the Last Supper. They also believe that it was in that same upper room at Mark's house that the day of Pentecost occurred when the Holy Spirit came down and filled the church. So this guy, he, he kind of knew what was going on. We also believe that Mark was a disciple of Peter, that that Peter was actually the one that informed Mark on what to write down and what really happened because obviously Peter was one of Jesus' closest friends. And so he, him and Mark decided we need to write down what happened so people for ages will be able to know this is what really happened. And so that's how we have the book of Mark. And so we're going to read Mark's account. This, by the way, is one of the earliest written accounts that has survived. We, we recognize there were other people who wrote things down. There were other people who said things, but this is the earliest account that we have. And it dates within about two decades of Jesus actually dying. So we believe it's pretty, pretty historically accurate. But we're going to read today out of this. And I want to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. Again, we're looking at Mark 16 verses 1 through 7. And I'll be reading today out of the New Living Translation. And this is how it reads. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so that they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, 
that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. And we thank you that you didn't just come into this world to be God with us, though you did that. We thank you that you didn't just come here to show us what God was like, though you did that. We thank you that you didn't just die for our sins, but you did that. This morning, we thank you that you rose from the dead, that you proved not only you were the Messiah, but that you were the Son of God, that you were the one who had the authority to break the curse of sin off of us, And that that same living hope is available to us today. And I pray that as we hear these words and as we think about that first Easter, that you would challenge us not only to believe this, but to carry this hope with us wherever we go. That that living hope would live in us. That we would extend it to a world that so desperately needs to hear it. And we pray this in your life-giving name. Amen. Amen. Well, before you're seated, why don't you wave at a couple of people, welcome them, tell them Happy Easter, let them know you're excited to be worshiping with them. If you're online with us, throw some praise emojis, let us know you're here. We are excited for Easter. Well, the thing is, as we look at this story, and as we, we see what's written here, It's powerful. It's powerful hope because of what they decided to tell us. And so, as I look at this, one of the first things that I see is that not only was this an amazing story because of what was happening, it was an amazing story because of what they shared. And the first thing I see them sharing is they shared doubt. The early believers shared their own doubt. They documented their own disbelief. It's not like they were sitting there saying, well, we knew this was going to happen. We were really good students. We were paying attention to him. We knew he was going to come back. No. They all believed that he was dead, that he was not coming back. And they were honest about that. They shared their own disbelief whether it was the women or the disciples or the people who followed him later, they all talked about how they didn't believe who he said he was. But resurrection changed their mind. And so we see right here at the beginning of our story, in verse 1, Mary and the other Mary and Salome, they went out and they purchased spices and they had to do it late at night Because it had happened so quickly. They weren't expecting Jesus to die. He he was arrested, tried, and killed within 24 hours. They They were not prepared for that. And then when he died, he died in conjunction with the Sabbath, which they were not allowed to work on. And so they had to wait 
until Saturday to go buy spices. They weren't buying spices to celebrate that he was alive. They were going there to embalm the body, to give Jesus a proper burial. They didn't think he was alive. And you, you see that because these were the first people who came across the truth of the risen Savior. And, and on the way there, they weren't even expecting anything. They, you can read in verses 2 and 3 how on Sunday morning, as they went to the tomb, they were expecting to find a dead Savior. They were expecting Jesus to be in the tomb, so much so that their conversation was, who's going to roll away the stone? And then they get there, and it's amazing. And they see an angel, and the angel tells them the truth, and, and, and they're in wonderment. And do you know what they did then? They got scared. They weren't sure if they could believe the angel. I mean, how many of you, if an angel came up and showed you something, you'd be like, okay, I, I'm, I probably believe that. But they didn't. We, we, if you keep reading in verse 8, it says, the women fled from the tomb. They saw the angel and they fled, trembling and bewildered. And they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. But if you keep with the story, if you understand what happens next, Jesus shows up to Mary Magdalene. He he appears to her in bodily form and says, here I am. And she's able to touch him and realize that he's real. So then what do they do? They go and they tell the disciples. And how did the disciples react? They were excited, right? They said, let's have a church service. We're excited. No, they were still scared. They didn't believe them. And finally, Peter and John were antsy and like, we, we, gotta, we gotta find out what they did with the body. And so they run to the tomb. They were the only two. They, they peer in. But even then, it says, Peter didn't believe. And John was starting to believe. And then they go back and they tell the followers, he's not in there. And then two of them decide, you know what? This is just getting too weird. We're leaving town. And so they start walking to Emmaus. And they're like, we're getting out of Jerusalem. This is going to get crazy. We're going to get away. And as they're walking, Jesus comes alongside of them. Says, what are you guys talking about? Haven't you heard about this Jesus guy? Well, no, tell me more about him. And so they start talking to Jesus and, and eventually he reveals himself to them. And so they go running back. You know, and it's just this whole thing. And the, the disciples still aren't convinced. And then Jesus appears to them. And when he shows up, what do they do? Do they worship? No, they're afraid. They think it's a ghost. They think that this is just a spirit manifestation. But Jesus says, here, give me some fish. I'm hungry. And he eats fish in front of them. Then they believe. I, I don't know, maybe it's the way Jesus you know, was eating the fish. Like, that looks pretty real. You know, and so then they believed. But at first, there was a lot of doubt. Matter of fact, you can look at the people who contributed to the New Testament, and there were a bunch of people who doubted. I feel like all of the 
New Testament writers fall into one of three camps. They were either scribes, students, or skeptics. But all of them displayed disbelief at some point. You know, Mark and Luke decided to write down the things that they had heard. But Mark fled when all of the chaos started too. He probably didn't believe until Jesus showed up at his house in a locked room. But then he and Peter decided, we got to write this stuff down. we got to make sure people realize what happened. Luke was not even a Jew. He was a Greek from Macedonia. And somehow the message came to him that there was this Jewish teacher who rose from the dead. And because of the witnesses he was able to interview, he believed. And he decided, I need to write it down. I need to go and meet with these people. And there's evidence in the book of Luke that he actually met with people who saw Jesus, who knew him personally. There's evidence that he actually talked to Mary because Mary, the mother of Jesus, because he talks about the things that Mary was thinking and feeling. You don't get that kind of information unless you go and interview the people. You see that with the way he talks about Peter and others. He talks about their feelings and their thoughts because he interviewed them and he wrote it down. And then you got his students, Matthew and John and Peter. And none of them believed at first. Matthew didn't go check it out. He was hiding at Mark's house with the other disciples. And Peter and John ran to the tomb, but even then they weren't sure. And then you got the skeptics. You got James and Jude. And if you understand the story, James and Jude were actually Jesus' brothers. They, they were his brothers and they wrote letters to the early church. And in those letters, they called Jesus Lord and they called themselves servants, slaves to Jesus. Let me ask you this. How many of you in this room, you've got a brother or a sister? You've got some kind of sibling. Anyone? I see a lot of hands going up. Let me ask you this question. What would it take for you to start worshiping them? <laughs> right? <laughs> James and John, or sorry, James and Jude both discounted him. At times, they thought he was crazy. At, there, there's an incident in one of the Gospels where they actually go with mom and they, they go and say, We got to put this guy away. He is crazy. Yet after the resurrection, they call Jesus Lord, they call Jesus God, and they say, we are his servant. And then you got Paul. Paul was so upset that people were going around talking about this risen Messiah that he decided, I'm going to kill Christians. We've got to stop this we got to stop people talking about this. And so Paul went around murdering and imprisoning Christ followers. And on one of his campaigns, where he was going off to Damascus to enslave another group of people, Jesus appeared to him in resurrected form. And all of a sudden, Paul became a believer. And he contributed to most of the New Testament. And he is the one who over and over again said, the resurrection is the cornerstone. Jesus is real. Jesus really died. Jesus really rose from the dead. 
and he is really living today, bringing you hope. And so these are the people, and they all talk about their own disbelief. They all are honest about the places in which they missed it until the resurrection. And because of the resurrection, they decided they had to share truth. They shared truth with us. They tell us what really happened in those moments. They tell us, they help us to understand this is what really transpired. And that's why we have in the Gospel of Mark what the angels said. Because they wanted to make sure people understood the truth. And so we read in verses 6 and 7 how the angel told them, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus He's not here. Look, here's where they laid him. But he has risen just like he said he was going to. This is not a case that these women found the wrong tomb. It's not a case where they were mistaken and like they, there's still evidence of his body having been there the night before. But he was gone. And they recorded the angel's words, even though they didn't believe them at first. They recorded that he rose from the dead and they were excited once they began to encounter him, once they began to realize. And here's here's what we understand. We believe this is true, not because the Bible tells us so. I mean, it's great that we have it in the Bible, but these people, they didn't believe it because the Bible told them so. They believed it because real people were saying, we saw a real Jesus. We saw this man who had died, who had come back to life. We believe this because of their testimonies, because of the lives they lived after the resurrection, of how their lives changed and how they changed history. Because they knew Jesus had come out of that tomb. And so they shared truth. And because they shared truth, the church was started. When the stone rolled away, it didn't just open the grave. It opened hope. Here's what we understand about Christianity. Christianity was not started because a book was written. Christianity wasn't started because there were some really good moral teachings that had to be passed on. Christianity started because Jesus came out of the tomb. It was that truth, that cornerstone. Christianity is a faith that was started by an event. Not the other way around. We we don't have faith because of faith. We don't have faith because of words that were spoken. We have faith because men and women really saw him come alive. And their testimony propelled the church. And for 300 years, that's all we had. Were their testimonies and what they'd written down. And then finally, this was collected and we said, this is what we believe is the New Testament. But it was all based on these people's testimonies what they believed to be true and what they wrote down and what they told people and how they changed the world because of it. And so, as they shared their doubt, as they shared the truth, they shared hope. 
to help people recognize that this hope was alive. This hope was active. This hope had the ability to affect them here and now. It wasn't just hope from an event that happened in the past. It wasn't just hope for what God was going to do in the future. It was hope that was grounded and rooted in who Jesus was, in his resurrection, and what it can still do for you today. You know, we, we talked about Peter. Remember him? He, he's the one who helped Mark write this. But think about Peter. Peter, he's a man who he believed, and then he disbelieved, and then he denied he believed, and then he re-believed. Let, let me go through that with you again. He, he believed. He, he came to realize Jesus is the Messiah. But then... He watched Jesus arrested and tried and beaten, and he began to disbelieve. So much so that when a little girl questions him, he says, I don't know the guy. And he denies belief. But then he sees Jesus alive, and he rebelieves. This same Peter is the one who helped Mark write his gospel. As he was writing his gospel, Peter was also writing letters to the church. And in one of the letters that we have, he writes this. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. He says, Praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This Peter is telling us that we have a living hope. And how do we have a living hope? Because of the new life we receive because of Jesus' resurrection. He's pointing back to the cross. He's pointing back to his sacrifice. And he's saying, because Jesus came out of the tomb, we have living hope. We have new life. That same resurrection power is resident in you through this new life, through this living hope. And in it, he's acknowledging that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is Lord, that he is Christ, the anointed one. And he's saying all of these things because he saw the resurrected Jesus. And he's telling, we have this, and we have this hope because of what Christ has done and because of what Christ will do. He's saying in verse 4 that we have this inheritance, and it is kept in heaven for you. Who gets an inheritance? Children. Children get an inheritance. So he's saying, you have been invited into the family of God. And this living hope that lives in you will continue to produce in you great things. And one day you will have an inheritance waiting for you in heaven as you live out this living hope. And this is a radical thing for Peter to write because as a Jewish believer, they weren't sure about heaven. About half of the Jewish people believed in heaven, half of them, half of them didn't. But do you know why Peter began to believe in heaven? Because Jesus. Because Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to 
make sure that you have a home in eternity with me. And then Peter watched his best friend come out of the grave, showing that he had authority over death, and he watched as he ascended into heaven. That's why Peter believed in heaven. Not because the Bible told him so, not because his Jewish traditions told him so, but because Jesus, the risen Savior, told him so. And then he goes on in verse 6 to say, In all of this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. So this is what Peter is telling us, why this living hope is important. Because you're going through hard times. You're going through difficult circumstances. And he's saying, even in the midst of these difficulties, you can rejoice because of this living hope. Why could he say that? Why would Peter be able to proclaim, even though life is terrible right now, you can rejoice? He was able to say that because of what he saw through Jesus. I like how Andy Stanley put it. He said, Peter saw the worst thing imaginable happen to the best person he had ever known. How could Peter say, you're going through something difficult right now, but it's going to work out? Because he saw the worst thing possible happen to the best person he ever knew. And he saw the resurrection power on the other side of it. We know God is for us because Jesus died for us, not because things always work out for us. We don't worship him because life is always perfect. We worship him because Jesus died and rose again and purchased our salvation and gave us this living hope. That's why we worship. That's why we celebrate. That's why we're here today. That's why we're here every day. To celebrate a living hope. To celebrate a hope that still breaks the power of darkness. That still opens tombs. That still heals cancer. That still does amazing things. That still restores family. That still brings us into family. That gives us a sense of longing. That gives us a sense of belonging. That gives us a sense that we are one in Him. That living hope continues. And it continues in you, and it continues in me. And not just because the Bible tells us so, but because men and women saw it really happen. And because for 2,000 years, men and women have still encountered him, have still experienced the power of new life, and have become agents of this living hope. And I pray that would be you today, that you would be someone who doesn't just hear this and think that's a great story, but recognizes the truth in it and lives differently because of it. And so on this 21, 21st day of our 21-day challenge, I want to encourage you, continue to spread some hope. I know this is the last day of the challenge, but Easter doesn't stop today. The calendar is going to flip, but Easter doesn't. Easter keeps moving forward. Easter is not an event we celebrate only once a year. 
Easter is an event we celebrate every day with every new breath, with every opportunity we have to glorify our God. So let's spread some hope wherever we go today, wherever we go next week, wherever we go throughout our lives. Let's spread some hope. And so that's your challenge for today. Spread some hope. I want to encourage you, daily be praying for three people who are far from God. Here's what I understand. If you pray every day for people who are far from God, your heart begins to care about people who are far from God. All of a sudden, this hope in you wants to come out. It's, it's bursting. You want to see lives changed. You want to see lives transformed. So I want to encourage you, be praying for three people. If you want, send me the list. I'll pray for them with you. Let's believe that this hope is not just for today. It's for every day. And there's, there's lives that need to be changed. Next thing you can do if you want to spread some hope, tell someone. If you've got hope living in you, you've got to let people know. You can share your doubt, you can share the truth, and you can share your hope. Tell someone what God is doing in your life. Tell someone what God is doing in your church. Tell someone that God loves them. You'll be amazed how just that little statement can bring hope. And then finally, if you want to up the challenge, invite someone. Invite someone into your story. Because you, if you are a follower of Christ, have a resurrection story. And you can invite others into it. You can invite others to be a part of the life that God is creating in you, fresh and anew. And you can invite them into the Easter story. I know it feels late. I mean, we're already in service. How, how am I supposed to invite somebody to Easter? Easter's not just today. It's every day. It's every time you call upon him. It's every time you acknowledge his resurrection. It's Easter all over. It's resurrection power all over. So invite someone into it. I'm going to tell you, there's no greater joy than seeing someone you love recognize who Jesus is and accept him as Lord. Or even, even a complete stranger. If you invite them into the story and you see life change, you will never be the same. So think about who you can be inviting into your story, into the Easter story. And let's walk out of here proclaiming living hope. Matter of fact, why don't we stand? We're going to sing one more song. And we're going to proclaim that living hope. And I want to encourage you, be someone who spreads it. Find ways to give it away to other people. Speaking of things you can experience, uh, we've got some hot cross buns waiting for you in the foyer. So, you know, spread some joy that way. Spread some hope that way by you know, taking some of those with you out and, and just enjoy that. Um, it's our gift to you uh, for being here today. But don't just carry out a hot cross bun. Carry out some hope. Carry out some excitement that the God we serve, the God we love, is alive. He's living in us. And he wants his hope proclaimed. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we recognize that we live in a world full of people who don't believe that you are alive. 
But I pray today that they would see evidence of your resurrection in us. God, as we pray for people, as we tell people of your love, as we invite them into our story, that they would see the honesty of our own doubts, they would see the honesty of the truth we've experienced. They would feel the power of our hope. And they would desire to become a part of this amazing story. Yes. And God, if there's anyone in this room or if there's anyone who's watching online and they don't know you, but in this moment they, they can feel the Holy Spirit drawing them. If that's you, if you recognize you need that hope in your life, that you want that resurrection power in you. I want to encourage you to pray a simple prayer. You can pray it out loud or you can pray it in the quietness of your heart. You can use my words or you can use your own. But I want to encourage you to pray something simple, something, something like this. Pray, dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that God rose you from the dead. I'm sorry for my disbelief. I'm sorry for my mistakes, for the pain that I've caused to you, to others, to myself. Please forgive me. Today, I turn from my old life and I follow after you. Holy Spirit, fill me so that I can experience living hope. Empower me to live for Jesus every day. God, I thank you for new life. Today, you have mine. As I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, please let someone know. You can come talk with me after service or you can let someone else here at the church know. If you're online, click on that button that says, I've accepted Christ. And we'll make sure you get the resource because you've got to let people know because you want to make sure you have all the resources around you to keep developing this living hope so that you will be able to clearly proclaim it to others. And you could have someone to walk with you through this life of hope. So if that, again, if you made that decision, please come find me, reach out to us through the internet. Let us know that you're a part of what God's doing in our church today. And for the rest of us, let's sing and proclaim his hope and then let's walk out boldly taking it with us. Love you guys. Thank you for joining us this Easter. I look forward to what God has in store for us as Easter continues in our hearts. Amen.